Welcome to another segment of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and today I'm in conversation with Aaron McLean. Aaron, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today on the show. Brent, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, of course. So as always, I'd like to introduce uh, my guests to our audience with a brief uh, summary of how we got connected. Interestingly, uh, you sent me a message on Instagram, and every now and then I get messages from people. But uh, something told me to you know, connect with you further. So we jumped on a call. Uh, we shared a little bit about our stories. And of course, one thing led to another, and I was told, you know, get Aaron on the show, get him to share about his journey. There's people out there that need to hear about what you've gone through, some of the uh, the challenges you face, the solutions you found, as of course you navigate your spiritual awakening and Kundalini awakening journey. So of course, Aaron's here with us today with uh, quite a bit of Kundalini awakening experience, five years, but I like to say for everybody that tells me they've been going through it for a few years, if we look back further enough, we can find that it's been going on for quite a while, quite a while. So something to keep in mind there. Aaron was working in the uh, tech and gaming industry around the time that this really took off for him. And of course, uh, as an entrepreneur today, Aaron offers coaching to support healing and personal development, supporting people going through their own Kundalini awakening process, drawing upon some of the skills, some of the uh, the tools, the insights that he's gained along his journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, Aaron's been coaching and facilitating men's work and recovery from addiction for the past two decades. And uh, Aaron, we were talking earlier and I was sharing that, you know, I haven't really had anybody on the show who's been through addiction, who's worked with people dealing with addiction. Um, and so I'm really happy that you're here with us to share uh, some, some fresh perspectives that, uh, you know, haven't really uh, teased out of anyone else before. Personally, my my experience with addiction is limited to, uh, you know, video games as a teenager, social media, not to invalidate that, but uh, it's it's a little bit more lighter than some of the other types of addictions out there. And, and quite a large segment of the people that I connect with do come and share, hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this, this illness, this addiction to uh, all sorts of things alongside Kundalini Awakening process. And it can be very challenging. It can be, uh, of course, very emotional. There can come with a lot of stigma, a lot of personal, uh, you know, browbeating and, and feeling down and, you know, all the things that come with those challenges. So I'm really happy to see where this conversation goes. Um, this one's for for all those out there that are they're having a difficult time. So Aaron, tell us a little bit about how this all began for you. You know, the spiritual awakening journey, Kundalini awakening. You can take us far, as far back as you like. Wherever you'd like to jump in, please, let's let's unpack this together. Well, thanks very much, Brent. First, I just want to acknowledge the work that you're doing. I'm grateful to uh, to be on the show. I'm grateful to, uh, yeah, just have some time to spend with you and discuss uh, some of these things. And, and really, you know, seeing the work that you're doing and the awareness you're creating, I think, is really important at this time. And uh, so we just want to thank you for that. And yeah, I'm happy to, to take you back. So... My, you know, like you said, even though my Kundalini awakening occurred five years ago, my actual uh, first experiences with awakening began um, in, I would say, around the age of 20. And, you know, as you shared about my experience with addiction, I had been 
suffering from addiction uh, for from the time I was about 14 until that time. And I had an experience where it was really, uh, I was sober at the time, I was out at a restaurant, I was relaxing, in, just having some wings and hanging out with a, a friend. And I started to notice that my environment was synchronizing in this manner. And the synchronicity continued to deepen over the course of a short period of time until I went into a non-dual state of awareness. And interrupt, sorry. Um, a short period of time, meaning within that one outing with a friend or over a few days, weeks? No, within like 15 minutes. Interesting. Okay, please yeah. go on. And so... As this was, as this experience was occurring, the the deepening of synchronicity, I was noticing that life was harmonizing in this unified language, and it was very similar to a Neo in the Matrix type of of moment where it the the climax of the experience was a realization that I am life, all of life, in a non-egoic way, but in a deeply interconnected realization. And that set the tone for what I would say was my introduction to Kundalini was um, a big a phase in my awakening, a stage in my awakening that also introduced me to spiritual uh, emergence and emergency. Because at this time, I was also suffering with addiction, and I had quite a bit of a trauma that I was working through and had not addressed. And this, these powerful energies that, that emerged, you know, I, I now refer to this kind of like a kundalini burst, where it was a first real burst of kundalini that gave me a, uh, a lot of energy to integrate. And, uh, and I didn't have the tools or the emotional stability to, to really understand how to do that. I knew that I was never going to see the world the same again or myself. And I went into a period of time where immediately I, I changed and I started to express about my experience of all is one. And, you know, these, these teachings, which naturally came from the heart and I deepened in my um, in my interest in spirituality greatly, and um, the the emergency side of that was that I still was not balanced, and I was really still using a lot of uh, mind and mood altering substances in a very destructive way, and I actually feel that this experience supported taking me to a place where I was willing to surrender, which happened, I would say, uh, about. A year and a half after this and that year and a half was a dark period in my life because i was clearly aware that i was meant to let go of this way of living and i i chose to continue on that path because i did not have the tools to to properly um achieve sobriety right and and finally that came to a head where um, you know, it's very commonly spoken about with people that suffer from addiction, which is a, a bottom, you know, and I hit a, I hit a very difficult bottom in my life. And, 
And that facilitated me being willing to make the changes that I needed to make in my life. And at that time, I was 22 years old. And I took it very seriously. I, I changed where I was living. I left a friend group. I began to immerse myself in um, recovery. And that was the, what I would say, the beginning of um, my commitment to the, the path. Mm. You know, when we talk about awakening, I believe we're awakening over the course of our entire lives. And there's these different stages of, of awakening. And, you know, I'll speak to, to my, my youth. My youth was very, I was extremely well supported. I came from a beautiful home. I had a lot of love. Um, at 13, my mother passed away. And when she passed away, um, the, that marked a very important time in my life because it was the end of innocence, but also the end of childhood. And then I moved into a very dark period, which was also um, the natural rebellious, rebellious exploration of, of the teenage years, combined with um, a sense of, of meaningless and uh, uncertainty and fear and anger and all of these um, emotions that arise as a result of, of, as I reflect on it now, are my experience of life being threatened because the experience of my mother passing created a awareness of the volatility of life mm. and this greatly impacted my spiritual beliefs because um i came from a, a a spiritual upbringing i was roman catholic and was raised and went to church every weekend and my mother was very very spiritual so there was a a death of sorts of my spirituality through that process as well and then a the the journey you know i really believe with addiction um addiction is an attempt at a solution from for many and uh oftentimes it's uh it there's components of of the process of um utilizing substances or things outside of ourselves because addiction can also include sex it can, it can include food it can include shopping and anything that can be really abused as a source of a, attempting to to achieve connection which can only be achieved through our connection with ourselves and, and life and so the healing process of of healing from addiction is really that process of reestablishment of connection. And that process inevitably takes us through the process of dealing with our trauma. And um, so that I, at 22, when I, when I got sober, I really went through a, a, a big awakening because not only had I had that uh, non-dual experience several years prior, but I also um, popped my head out of the sand. And I was like, wow, I was 13, like last week. And now I'm 22. I don't know who I am. I've never, like, I, you know, when I was younger, I was, a I was, a, an athlete, this rambunctious kind of guy. And I, I went so deep down this path with, uh, with drugs that I just lost my sense of care for, for really myself and, and, um, 
yeah, it, there was a reclaiming of um, my values, a reclaiming of my integrity, a, uh, a, a very quick maturing process that went on as a result of one coming into a state of health within my body, because as a result of addiction, I was so um, sick all the time that when I, you know, when I actually had a day where I was not sick and I was balanced and I was motivated, partly because I just felt behind, <laughs> you know, I felt like I'm like, I need to catch up on my life. And so, yeah, I went through a very dead, I, you know, the, 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 the script completely flipped and I went directly into personal development and uh, spiritual development in ferociously. And, uh, and that, uh, that journey continued on and I was blessed, you know, the synchronicities that I, I spoke about earlier started to really manifest them themselves in amazing ways where the right uh, teachers and supports inevitably just arrived in my life to help to, to begin my, my, my journey of, of maturing as an adult. And that, that really has been a holistic journey. And what I mean by that is, is it's the, there's the, it's been very practical. M majority of this time, when I reflect on my, my spiritual path, it was very much about showing up to everyday life, being here, being present, being grounded, um, being of service. And these were many of the principles that I learned through 12-step recovery, which was a core part of this. And I want to speak to that for a moment, because for a lot of people out there that have uh, have or are suffering from addiction, there's oftentimes resistance to programs like AA or NA or some of these 12-step recovery programs. And I had this resistance and was very, very much... Um, what I call like one toe in and the rest out because I'm like, I don't su subscribe to any cults and this type of thing. But at a certain point, I started to really ask myself a valuable question. And that was within the realm of recovery from addiction, do the statistics show that this works? And I started to see, okay, so there's this organization that there's millions of people living happy, joyous, and free that were in the depths of addiction, and it's fully self-supporting. So this organization has been run by people recovering from addiction. It's a global organization with millions of people that have found recovery. And so I was like, okay, so that's a data point. And my resistance, I, I couldn't deny that. So I was like, okay. Then the next thing was, I was like, okay, so they ask us to do these things. There's these core four things that they ask us to do. They ask us to uh, get a sponsor. And I was like, okay, well, what is a sponsor? A sponsor is an elder, somebody further along the path in their spiritual development that is both a sounding board and somebody capable of calling us on our shit. Mm -hmm. And this is really important because what I noticed with my sponsors was that they could just call it. They they could see 
and they could see when I was, my lens of focus was out of focus. And um, the next thing is, is uh, which everybody oftentimes hears about through AA is these circles. And the, the, the circles are, are something that transcends 12-step recovery. It's ancient. And I just want to speak to the power of, of the circle because when we come into communion, I call it communion because it, we're coming into connection together in this space and we're learning about how to share with each other and how to listen to each other. And this miracle or in synchronicity started to happen right away that I noticed was that there was these people that would share exactly what I needed to hear. And I was like, oh my God, like there's this miracle running through this circle and it would happen consistently. And, and there was this realization and that, you know, alone we can't, but together we can. And it's, it's spoken of oftentimes in recovery. And, um, and so that, that healing tool, which is us coming together to consciously listen, listen and to share with each other is, is so profound. And that has continued uh, outside of the work that I did in recovery in, in men's circles as well. And, you know, working with conscious masculine, masculinity and how we understand at this time in life, how are we to, to live as, as men? And we learn from each other and we learn through sharing and listening. So that's a, it's a very powerful tool. So that was the second, you know, what I would call pillar. The third pillar is the, uh, is the 12 steps. And the 12 steps, you know, an, an exploration of it is, is really this understanding that, that um, I am unmanageable <laughs> on my own, where I've gotten to in my life at this place of being at a bottom is this state of complete unmanageability and that I'm powerless over it because if I could have changed it, I would have changed it. And it takes, for me, I'll speak about myself. It took a lot of pain and suffering to get me to that place. Many people tried to help me and I was unwilling to receive help. And until the pain got great enough, that willingness was created. And so that willingness then, you know, provides uh, a space of receptivity to hearing the message. And the message is that there's a power greater than ourselves. And for some that are um, that are atheists, that is the power of the circle. For others that believe in a, in uh, either you know a power greater than themselves or something that we are all connected to, which some choose to call God, then or source, then then it is that that we turn our will and lives over to the care of, and that begins uh, what is a program of healing and recovery that is what I would define as creating spiritual fitness. And spiritual fitness is just like going to the gym. It's these principles, you know, I'll share the last principle, which is service. The, you know, having a sponsor, which is working with an elder, uh, having being sharing openly and listening and uh, working a, uh, a, having a spiritual guidance system in our lives that creates accountability, um, that allows us to review and more deeply understand ourselves, that uh, allows us to support others. And yeah, the service component, 
the service component, uh, I'll just say, it was likely the most profound, one of the most profound realizations of my life. And that is, and it's, and it's clearly stated, but not truly understood until practiced, which is that we, you know, there's a saying, we keep what we have by giving it away. And I would prefer, I prefer to say that we find freedom through giving. Mm. And that is because the nature of addiction and the nature, the nature of the ego is self-centeredness. And to be able to be in a place of true happiness, I find that a lot of the greatest freedom that I've experienced has been through through service. So I think that's like a, I wanted to to kind of give you a general summary, and I think that that encapsulates it. Great. Well, well, thank you for that general summary there. I think there's so much to unpack. And um, though I did know that, you know, the AA uh, meeting circles were very spiritually oriented. I I appreciated their uh, universal availability to everybody. You know, I think they they use the term you would know better than I. But um, you know, we 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 turn to the support of God. However, we would define that term. You know, they say things like that. Um, what you shared there sounds to me very similar to a spiritual community, like say a monastery. You have the sponsor, which is the uh, the teachers, the guides, the guru. You could say the circles, which is the community, the sangha, right? Um, it, it's clearly a very spiritual process and and in all of my work that i've done with this spiritual stuff i've never come across a single person that's come to the path unless they were at a point of suffering um at a rock bottom place so some come through depression mental illness heartbreak some through addiction some through physical illness there's something or the other and so if we really boil it down we're all not that much different it seems to be there's these general themes we suffer we look for support we come in community and we relate and and then it of course turns into service in some way or another so incredible but i'm really happy that we can look at it through uh through your experience um you know going through some serious trauma as a young young teenager you know losing your mom um and so of course we see uh, addiction doesn't come out of nowhere right it's 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 associated with with some pain um so you have this non-dual experience with some incredible synchronicity. Um, you described a burst of Kundalini, a sort of burst of this Kundalini rising or energy. Was there a specific moment where this took place? That occurred in the, as I see it now, that occurred in that, re in that restaurant when I was having that uh, experience and then continued on in ways. Um, you know, I've, I've had several, stages of of awakening some uh more related to like a, a a large heart opening that was very blissful and um the occurrence of many new things coming into my life that were very nourishing and um you know you could say it's a it's a it's a chapter but it was definitely associated with the opening of the heart and then um you know the the kundalini awakening itself i i think is um yeah, it's it's a it's a very mysterious, as you know, and and powerful um, powerful um, process that I think really I'm just so grateful that you're 
mission has shed so much light by really bringing together to speak about it because you know the the mystery behind it creates uh, and and it, the mystery behind it is tied also very deeply to um to mental health and to um our in, in western society uh the western materialistic um worldview that you know if you were to 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 look at something like say for example transpersonal psychology which which integrates the spiritual into psychology then kundalini has a place and as such spiritual emergence is not mental illness yeah and this this is something that is very very challenging for both practitioners from a western uh, school of thought and individuals going through kundalini because many tests you know i've had i've had all kinds of tests health tests nothing shows that anything's wrong and yet these you know in a state of spiritual emergency and we can dive a little bit more into you know i can talk a little bit more about that as well but for people that are going through kundalini awakening in the dark you know they're they're in this dark night of the soul or they're dealing with extreme physical psychological uh symptoms that can go on for years um and they see their doctors and their doctors are like you know what we can do for you is essentially either prescribe you a um antipsychotic or um sometimes a uh and and i'm not saying that there isn't at times place for western medicine i really want to make that clear as well this isn't poo-pooing on western medicine but it's speaking to the complexity yeah. and that's what what is really important and i think the more dialogue that we have about this the and the more awareness that that is created the more that those two worlds will be bridged in a healthy way right right so let's go there um talk to us about some of the difficult uh signs you say symptoms of your awakening experience um your spiritual emergency let's unpack this a little bit what was that like for you um and of course we can in general, you know, did you know that this was spiritual emergency? What were you thinking when this was all happening to you? So th this is a diverse uh, kind of story to 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 tell. I'm going to jump ahead um, just to give a little bit of context to my to my Kundalini awakening and how that occurred. Um, so um, I started to really feel uh, a call to plant medicines and I had worked a lot. I had not worked with actually. I had used psychedelics a lot in my in my youth, but not in a conscious manner. And after what was, I think, about a decade and a half of uh, of sobriety, I really felt this call to these medicines, and. Um, It was an interesting thing because there's there are two worldviews, and I think what I was being called to is, uh, is in essence the Earth traditions, and by the Earth traditions I mean traditions uh, like uh, like the First Nation traditions and the South American traditions that are, um, yeah, that are are you know kind of termed shamanic, and. Um, 
during my recovery process, I was introduced by um, elders that were supporting me um, in my recovery to um, many of the First Nation traditions, including the sweat lodge and the sacred pipe and the sacred fire. And that was a that was an a very important part of my reconnection to spirituality. And um, there was a calling there to move more deeply into those uh, spaces. And it was in conflict in a lot of ways with my worldview regarding um, addiction and mind and mood altering su substances, specifically within the 12 step programs, which is like, there are no mind and mood altering substances. And, um, I reached the point where I made the decision that I was I was going to uh, to go and do um, some of that work, and I did, and that opened up a new chapter of awakening and also awareness about the um, the mystery and the power of uh, working with a lot of these uh, sacred plant teachers and. Um, eventually my kundalini awakening would occur through ayahuasca mm. and um this also ties into um a an interesting subject which is spiritual and shamanic initiation and this is this is a subject that i really feel um also ties to um you know, to an individual's life path or to their experience or to how maybe the um, divine teaches them. So in in my case, through my spiritual, uh, through my uh, kundalini awakening, I started to um, experience many um, first of all, the spirit world opened and I was now integrated and many people speak about this with kundalini awakening where i became clairaudient overnight and that was extremely difficult because i was what it felt like to me was i was hearing all of these things and this sounds just you know talk to a normal person they're like yeah that's because you have a mental health issue and you damaged yourself with ayahuasca yeah. and the that's not the the context or the understanding within the the traditions, but existing in Western society and beginning to move through this path of initiation, I started to learn about discernment in the spiritual realms. And that started with Claire audience, and it was quite scary because I could hear things. And my logical process for this was to do my best to understand what is the relationship between the things that I'm hearing and uh, feeling. And yeah, and and that right away started to, to, I didn't realize I'd went through a Kundalini awakening at all. I had no idea that that's what was happening. Um, the process in the ceremony was was quite a difficult one where I went through a death experience. And there was also during that time the um what I would what I would call is a, a top-down, top-down awakening, um, which you know I 
I refer to, refer to as like the descent of, of grace. It was like this force that came down through me and ignited my Kundalini. And um, when I returned from, um, from the ceremony, um, I knew that something drastic had, had changed. And the initiatory qualities of, of this, they, they tie together the, the more yogic worldviews and the, um, not that yogic and shamanism, but I, I'm like a, a more classical kind of like South American or North American shamanic kind of view together because the shamanic initiations that I experienced, they were in relationship to the purification of the lower chakras. And so as a result, as the lower chakras were going through this deep purification process, all of these um, extremely fearful experiences were happening, but I was being tested both in the dream time and in um, in my day-to-day -day, uh, processes. Because keep in mind, while this is going on, um, I'm a <clears throat> founder of a um, technology and gaming company, and I'm running a gaming studio with, you know, staff and what while I'm experiencing all of this and there's a great deal of um of mystery and i literally was holding on for for dear life you know one of the first things that that uh that came to me through my ayahuasca ceremony was that um the the spirit of ayahuasca said um said you're you're going to be studying with tobacco and tobacco will be uh, a teacher and I didn't fully understand what that meant at the time, but I was very, very keenly aware of the sacredness and use of tobacco in the North American traditions. And um, yeah, I could go into depth about what some of the experiences were that, uh, that I went through with uh, tobacco as both a vehicle for supporting the the um, movement of kundalini up through the heart space and that occurred over about a year and a half period with very deep work that was combined with many um, shamanic initiations and those um, those had uh, a flavor very similar to what you might imagine. So the the spirit, the elemental spirits and the the uh, the uh, animal spirits began to both come to me in dream time and to also come to me through actual physical encounters. And I started to to learn about traditions through um, through working with. Um, with spirit and um i was provided with these opportunities to do very deep shadow work and that work a lot of that work involved um facing terror and moving through darkness and and allowing myself to uh to learn to trust in the process that was underway and so during this whole phase, um, which lasted about a year and a half, 
it was very fascinating because I was able to manage and work with clients at work and address my responsibilities at work. And at the same time, I was dealing with a lot like extreme paranormal, difficult things that were that were going on in relationship to to um, both Kundalini and the purification process and, and the initiations, as I was describing. And um, yeah. Do you have any do you have any questions on this so far? I mean, yeah, so. You're going through this really far out experience and yet maintaining a worldly role as a, you know, a business owner, right? So how are you navigating this? Are you speaking openly about this to anybody and everybody at all times? Is this very something that you keep to yourself and only speak to maybe your, your mentors or, or your close friends, like what's going on there? Because this is like, like you described, it's like you're in two different worlds at the same time. How do you navigate this space? So it was extremely challenging. And the, the challenging aspects of, 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 of this, I'll speak to, well, first I'll answer your question. How do I navigate it? I navigated it by, um, by trust and with the support of several people that i knew had the ability to truly understand what was happening and then there was consequences as well you know and the consequences were that there is through these types of of uh, of spiritual initiations and through kundalini awakening there you know there is through the Western construct, it's like everything that I just shared sounds just like absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, and when in dialogue with people where an individual going through these types of experiences deeply yearns for understanding, they deeply yearn for someone to say, Hey, like, I know what you're going through is, is hellish, but you know, we understand, we, we believe you and we trust you. And there was a few people that did. And then there was many that I just knew that I needed to not speak to these things, but I also had to really hold it together. And, um, and what was fascinating about that first period was um, when I returned from ceremony, I was not able to sleep and I could only sleep, I would say, anywhere from two to four hours a night for well over a year. And the fires were just burning, you know, it was like Kundalini was just fired up. And during that time, um, the experiences, I now came to understand that the way in which I was instructed by spirit to work with tobacco and the techniques and tools that I was used uh, was using in order to in order to help to support to balance the energies within myself, because after that stage of work was done, spiritual work was done, I it was left behind, mm -hmm. and it was it was it was notably concluded 
in a way that that I understand had had you know it had reached its it had served its purpose and this is an interesting this is an inter interesting thing because the idea of of these attachments to definitions i find is a very fascinating part of the kundalini awakening process too you know it's like oh i want to be a healer or i want to be this or that and when we have innate interest and uh willingness to pursue something we do but the kundalini experience in my experience really asks for the surrender of a lot of that and so you know, after several years of this very intense work of working through, you know, for several hours in the middle of the night each night while, you know, going through many um, symptoms and experiences that really, you know, they were, they were of great concern, you know, to, 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 to my loved ones. And they were difficult for my business partners. It was, it was overall a, a, a difficult situation. And, and, um, when I, when I finished that chapter, it was, it was just to be, to be left behind. And I moved on to a, another stage and the next stage really was, um, a very, very, very difficult stage that lasted for two and a half years. And it was in relationship to um to psychic energy and to um you know when we hear the term a uh, highly sensitive person um you know or an empath you know i never personally resonated with these terms but then through the kundalini uh experience i started to notice like i would walk out into um an elevator and there and all of a sudden like i could feel everybody that had been in the elevator and then i would start to actually feel as if i was them and i was literally wearing like their lips were my lips and it was just this and i began to experience these just absolutely extreme symptoms of kriyas that would result as the psychic energy entered my body and my body would go into a state of overwhelm and um this became absolutely debilitating and um i'm not sure uh I, i'm sure you actually have read gobi krishna's um, a little bit yeah so so it very much took on uh uh so to to the audience talking about gobi krishna gobi krishna experienced a uh, a spiritual awakening um it was with uh an imbalance in one of the channels which is uh in it was was it eater of pingal i think it was uh yeah anyway one of the one of the the, the fire channel and as uh, as that occurred um he experienced many very very difficult um symptoms and i began to experience those while simultaneously and just for the audience i highly advise that you do not do this i i i ruptured a disc in my lower back mm. and that combination of kundalini and that disc injury was very very 
um, was very, very um, difficult. And I experienced a lot of um, very challenging, um, yeah, energies and, and experiences that, uh, that greatly affected my health. And um, it got, it got really bad. It got to the point where family was taking care of me, where I was completely bedridden, where um, I couldn't walk uh, for for months. It was it was a whole um, it was a whole ordeal. <laughs> wow. So y- you shared that when you were going through the intense, I guess, uh, emotional purification periods in conjunction with working with uh, the shamanic traditions while being a business owner, you shared that you got that through that with, with trust, mm-hmm. trust, and, and you were tactful in, in you know, uh, navigating your relationships, sharing with the right people, not sharing with the wrong people. Um, very, very useful information because I know many people are like, how do I, how do I talk to people about this? And it takes some skill, but you mentioned trust. So now you rupture a disc what about your trust here? Are you laying in bed, bedridden, saying, ah, this is all part of my healing process. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be well. Where does your mind go? Where does your emotional state go? What's your relationship like with with God or, or however you would like to, to call it? Is there still trust there? So, so to give you a gauge of the type of experience, I was, you know, a, a Kriya is, a, is an energetic uh uh, is a blockage essentially being um, uh, worked through in the energetic body. I was experiencing Kriyas for six or seven hours a day straight, like just unrelenting. And and it was just um, combined with the um, all the symptoms from the disc injury, which was sciatica going down my legs and I was not able to to walk. It was so unmanageable that all I could do was just hold on. And the concept of, of the nature of um, God within these types of, of experiences is interesting because when the ego is faced with hopelessness and suffering outside of its capacity to to handle my experience is is that uh that we become a witness Mm. we just observe what is and the body goes through it the body screams the body cries the body begs for mercy the body does um you know praise and does all of these things and and then there is a, an observer as well and and i should speak also to at this time that the understanding of uh the nature of the teacher and the master that really truly is teaching which is which is divinity is occurring a, a, during this time and the sense of rightness is is and was always present the grief for the nature of my experience and through a certain lens my own karma was very very challenging 
very challenging. And, um, but the support of the teachers and specifically this sense of a master teacher that is teaching how to be was undeniable at all times. And one of the greatest teachings that the, you know, I'll just speak, uh, the master communicated so clearly is silence. Mm. Through, the, through the shamanic training, through this training, the training, it changed, you know, and the, with the shamanic training, it's, it was like all these tools that were very, you know, pipes and drums and these types of classical shamanic tools. Then it moved completely into stillness and stillness of the mind and sound. And the, the, replacement of external like plant medicines were they were replaced by music and music was supported by the teacher spirits including the um, animal spirits that would guide and support the activations and understanding of the place of music in the healing process as a vehicle for um expansion for as a as a calibration as a calibrating tool of the nervous system as a uh yeah as a grounding tool and as a soaring tool you know and and then the stillness the stillness was beautiful because the stillness also was taught in a manner that related to rightness which is that the feng shui also became very very prominent in my awareness i understood that just like in music everything had a place and a sense of rightness in its place and i began to um to very clearly understand how to honor a space in order to create a field of that of harmony and that was also through the process of tending to space in that manner in stillness, which it's it's funny because really it's like what I'm talking about, it's very much temple living, you know? Mm. But it's just it was done alone, guided by spirit. And I think, you know, this is a common uh, experience for those of us that are going through awakening within the context of Western society. You know, I, I really appreciated when you shared about your parents just giving you the, the, the space you know, to just do your healing, they stop bugging you. It was like, it's like that type of thing where like somehow, even though it's gnarly, like it all is perfectly attended to, you know? Yeah. And Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you're my favorite type of person. It's a person who sees the rightness through hell, through torture, through the the fire, the internal fire that can burn for years, there's a, a a deeper understanding of there's this rightness there. It's not a mistake. It's a process. And to me, when I say you're my favorite type of person, I I describe a person like you as invincible. Anything can come 
through your system and there's a knowing, even if it's just sort of in the background, just a glimmer, a pilot light of the still rightness is here. And that's where the trust comes in. Of course, this is right. You describe the witness. So early on in my process, I came across the work of Joan Shivar Pita Harrigan from uh, Patanjali Kundalini Yoga Care. Excellent books. And in her book, she has a diagram, which she calls the Restoration Project. And in that diagram, there's a depiction of a watchtower. And your, your task with sitting in this watchtower as a river of pollution and toxicity just flows. You don't identify with it. You don't get in the river. You don't judge the river. You just sit in the watchtower as this river flows. And that river of toxicity and ugliness, trauma and pain from the past, it's still right. And we just observe and witness. And um, that is ultimately the, you know, there are many techniques, many interesting, exciting ways that we can explore it. It boils down to these couple things here, like you said, the silence, the witness, knowing that it's all right. Brilliant stuff. So looking back at your key moment where, you know, the synchronicity came about in the restaurant. The way that I look at synchronicity is a, an experience like what you had reveals to us what's happening in every moment. And so I'm curious about whether synchronicity has been a tool that you've used to further cultivate this sense of rightness and understanding and trust? Is it like a tool that you use to look for and justify why it's all working out even when things are messed up? Um, might be a bit of a, a confusing question there. Just maybe you can comment on synchronicity. Yeah, I, do, I don't find it a confusing question. I think, it's a, I think synchronicity is a very... Um, important and prominent part of the awakening uh, journey in its capacity to help us to realize the interconnectedness of all life and to provide a sense of true magic to life, which is like, holy shit, man. Like I thought I was in this random like world and guess what? Like it's all as magical as I always dreamed it could be when I was a child. Yeah. And that is that is an incredible realization and the nature i have experienced of of um life is that it changes and so you know i'm a, actually i'm just going to hold this up here because it's just like i'm 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 propping this so this is the the e chain mm -hmm. and you know for for this this book an oracle is such a tool and teacher for for creating a sense of of peace within the context of change and that's really what the ching is about is it's about studying the nature of change so to answer you know to go back to what we we're talking about about synchronicity in my experience that was how things started. And then I went through processes where things really switched, like would flip on their head and it would be like, you know, reality would take on a very unpleasant synchronicities and, and, um, uh, 
almost kind of taunting type of nature to to these things and that that occurred um and you know is is i think a part of our opportunity to be observers of what is happening because there's a danger to always defining something to be a certain way and thinking that it will always be that way right and and that is also why i referenced the i ching because it you know it was a for for those out there that have really experienced a um a sense of uh loss of trust in their spiritual process as a result of their difficulties uh be it with kundalini be it with addiction the I Ching served in my life as a tool that helped me to recognize that um, that just by virtue of change, that that's one thing we can always depend on. Right. And there is peace within that. And it also is a great teacher of the middle way and of being in the center where all things move around us and um and then also just the very practical aspects of of you know one that i reference sometimes is like you know if you go out to a really like stormy like sea area and you jump in the water you you know near some rocky cliffs you're probably going to get smashed up against them you know what i mean which is like there's there's this aspect of the sometimes cold hard realities of life which are also spiritual and um and and our our opportunity to use discernment in all that we do and yeah that's brilliant brilliant yeah change uh impermanence within the past you know 6 months or so i've been really coming to understand kundalini shakti as impermanence as this flow of impermanence um it's it's been a, a very interesting refinement of what i understood to be this kundalini force orchestrating these huge events in my life even these huge inner experiences but now i'm seeing it also as quite literally the uh the tingling vibration that i can sense in the in the atoms in my hand like this is kundalini and and shakti that that impermanence and it's i've got uh another gentleman that i'll be having on the show byron patchett and uh, he's a, a very experienced meditator but a kundalini awakening as well but it's not the paradigm that he approaches his path from he doesn't really speak about kundalini per se but i was talking to him briefly and he said you know uh well the only thing i i trust in is impermanence and I thought, like, I've never heard anybody express it that way, as if to personify change, as if it's something you can put your trust in. Um, when things are difficult, you trust that it's it's not going to last. So, so I, I won't um, um, ramble on. I, I look forward to having him on the show. But uh, right now, we've got Aaron here. So, Aaron, you're you've been doing men's work as well, the Divine Masculine. I want to see what you have to share about that a little bit. But first, I want to just
just recognize the divine feminine here and see if you have any thoughts about this. And, and um, I, I, I feel like taking a risk and getting a little vulnerable here um, or inviting you to be vulnerable, but if you're not open, that's fine too. But I can relate a little bit because in my life, the divine feminine or the feminine in general, you could say, of course, it's all divine. Um, some of the earliest programming I received around the feminine was, of course, through my parents. My dad's uh, mother died when he was nine days old. And I remember when he first told me this, it was, you know, I was stunned. I was a young kid, but very stunned. I couldn't believe it. You know, this is, and this was significantly, you know, programming me, you know, there's, there's this um, relationship with the divine feminine and he was sharing his pain. So in your story here, um, you express, you know, similar ordeals in your life. In my life, my path was very much to do with relationships, with heartbreak, with abandonment, betrayal, with romantic partners, women. And this brought me to self-love. Mm -hmm. So in your story, you describe, of course, your mother passes away. This triggers some some difficult pain in your life. Um, next, you, you mentioned, well, not next, but you mentioned, of course, Kundalini Shakti, which is the goddess, the divine feminist, depicted as that force in, in some paradigms. Uh, ayahuasca, they describe as, you know, this, I, I believe, this grandmother energy of the jungle. And then you also describe music as being a great healing tool in your life. Music, the muse, the feminine, the goddess. Now you're doing this work as, you know, the divine masculine facilitator and, and coach um, supporting men's circles. What can you say about, you know, this relationship with the divine feminine? Where does that fit in for you? Is anything that I'm sharing to you, um, how does that feel for you? This this rediscovery and, and healing of, of the relationship with the feminine. It's it's very, very powerful, Brent. And, and, and I think, you know, we all are, are influenced by our relationship with our parents. And when we think of the hermetic principle as principle as above, so below, it's also as below, so above. Mm. And so what's interesting to think about that is our relationship with our parents in our spiritual awakening process has great influence. And it's, it's, it's in relationship to this principle. So the dynamics and the resolution of the trauma and the coming into right relation and the healing of the divine masculine and feminine is 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 all of our work and when i when i talk about uh conscious masculinity con conscious masculinity is the integration of the divine masculine and feminine within ourselves in order to be in true harmony with with ourselves and with in right relation with others and um yeah there's i mean there's a lot of ways that we can talk about this one of them was is is through the concept of the yin yang and the concept the concept of you know you describe music as as um as uh the divine Thanks. feminine yeah, yeah mute. and and Saraswati and like the the you know the the this this movement of creative life force energy and the void or silence the stillness 
as the masculine. And this can be flipped on its head in different ways too. There's also, you know, it's it, it can be reversed as well, but through this, through this lens of this duality of medicines, which is, which is, it comes in, you know, in its uh, stillness and movement and um, um, void space and creation. And um, this is, uh, this is a process of, uh, of, I think, our own, our own healing through an ongoing eternal learning that just keeps on it's it's creative and it's expressive and it keeps on growing but as we come into uh alignment with some of these medicines and we do the work uh the kundalini the kundalini process is you know many people describe uh past life experiences many people describe um the healing of their ancestral lines and um this can be debated because what is actually a hundred percent certain, but through the experience of individuals that experience these miraculous memories and purifications of things related to their ancestral line, there's a knowingness within ourselves that we are doing that work mm -hmm. and that that work is creating that sacred harmony. Um, and yeah. And, and, and so uh, I deeply honor um, the divine masculine and the divine feminine and um, and I just appreciate the myriad of ways that this manifests, including all the medicines which we're speaking about, which are so crucial to our healing and awakening process. Yeah. Great, great. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it ultimately boils down to these two fundamental medicines, like you call it, medicines, movement, stillness, it's medicine, ultimately, and, and different types of medicine to be used at different times and um, brilliant stuff there, brilliant stuff. So today, take us through, we've got a bit more time here. Take us through now, force. I'm assuming that you're not bedridden anymore. You're feeling mm -hmm. confident and and able to now support others. You've been called to support others and serve. How does your sort of bouncing back or reintegration back into the world look like after going through this difficult dark time? Does it happen overnight in a flash and a miracle? Is it gradual? What does that look like for you? And 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 then we'll talk a little bit about the direction of your work now that you've gone through this you know pretty significant transformation. There is, there is always, like I was speaking about with discernment, there is always a necessity in my own experience to assess what is um, the next best right step. And then also understanding that I'm not who I was any longer. And that the nature of the reality and the experience that I live within is different than the one prior to Kundalini awakening. And as such, the way that I move now with life is, is different. And I'm always reminded that I can trust my experience as we talked about earlier, and also to continue to, um, to continue to 
strive for gentleness and enjoyment and service and to you know one of the things that kundalini really is has offered me is is a simplification process you know part of the journey with um with kundalini was the collapse of my dreams mm. and you know, as I mentioned, I had a, a company, I was working on uh, technologies and things that were all of service and these very big dreams, working with um, amazing people doing amazing things. And there was a natural process of um, surrender into the necessity to let that go. Right. And now... The wheel keeps turning, right? So, you know, will will that emerge in a brand new, beautiful way? I'm sure it will. You know, I've done you know, my my mission um, prior to Kundalini and throughout the Kundalini uh, processes as well was the integration of um, what I would say is technologies that are in support of the sacred. Mm union of practices and technologies to create um, solutions to support um, spiritual development and growth and to uh, in support of human beings being a solution at this time on the planet and so that translates into education that translates into holistic wellness and uh, that translates into the creative arts. And so those are the three areas that my focus has, has been on. And I've had the pleasure of working with amazing companies that have, you know, that are doing fantastic work in this space, companies like HeartMath, you know, and I can talk a little bit about some of the projects and things that, uh, that I've worked on in relationship to this. Um, but at this time, I have that whole background and I also, you know, have for the duration of, uh, you know, since, since my own recovery, been supporting people in a coaching manner and more recently, uh, with spiritual awakening, how these things all come together. I'm, I'm really creating space because I see how opportunities, they come when they're meant to and forcefully trying to create um, I have to, I have to bring intention, but my intention is to serve through the gifts that I have to offer. And I'm much more fluid in the ways that I, that I do that now than I was, um, you know, in my, in my younger years. And you know what, Brent, a big part of that, it was, was that a lot of my desire was rooted in my own insecurity and trauma yeah. and through the healing process and also just the maturing process it's not that i don't have the aspirations to to create and to serve in big ways it's just that my sense of self doesn't depend on them any longer right. and and um yeah i think that's Great, great. Yeah, that'll speak to many people who are on this brink where they recognize this process is wrapping up what next mm -hmm. and how 
I think like you're saying, we have to be very loose with our agenda of what this service may look like or what the next stages may look like. You look back at your your prior experience and I've actually been sharing a little bit about your story with people and recently because people say, Brent, I'm going through Kundalini Awakening. I'm feeling like I'm ready to get back in the role. What do I do now? And I say, well, you know, look at what 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 was the what are the themes that have been going on in your life? It's likely that those themes were have been training and preparation for what you'll do now that you've you know reached some sense of stability in your Kundalini process. And I was actually telling them about you and saying, you know, um, I know this guy Aaron. He he was you know dealing with addiction. Then he was supporting people with addiction as a coach. He goes through Kundalini Awakening. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to continue coaching and supporting from a new place and supporting people in a more broader sense. It's not that suddenly he's going to drop all of that and and you know do something completely different. Different things may come about, but the foundation you laid as a coach, as somebody who's done the work on themselves as a healer, of course, it's going to continue. And then, so uh, you know, I invite people out there to you know, look. What are the themes in your life? Have you been a speaker? Have you been a singer? Have you been a writer, an artist? Have you been somebody who's just open-hearted and caring and there to support people emotionally? Those things probably are going to just get amplified and translate over once this process reaches a certain uh, point where you're pushed back into the world. But like Aaron, like you're saying, our agenda and our control, that grip, it just gets very loose and it's, it's no longer fueled by insecurity. It's just fueled by, let's see where the flow takes us. And it's very, very inspiring. So with that said, how can people connect with you if they'd like to go deeper with you, find out a little bit more about you, your work, um, you know, maybe meet with you for some coaching, for some support, where can they go? I'll, I'll, sh I'll share all my info with you, Brent, and maybe we can put it in the uh, video chat. And uh, yeah, I'm, I would love to connect with people. You know, the where I see my work really going at this time in the coaching capacity, I'm still supporting people with addiction. I'm uh, also supporting people with Kundalini awakening. And then I'm supporting conscious, um, conscious individuals in business as well. Because I have this diverse set of, of, of skills that um, initially I was just trying to pick a, pick a specific one thing. And I realized, you know, that that's not what my heart wants and that's not what my experience has offered. And so uh, there's, you know, on my website, I'll share more about that. And, uh, and anybody that feels, uh, you know, that, uh, that it would be important for them to work with me, I look forward to connecting with them. Great, great. So all of the links to connect with Aaron are in the description. Uh, you can connect with him, follow up with him. Um, it's been a great conversation. And I just want to acknowledge that I'm sure we've overlooked quite a bit here. Uh, it seems like you've gone through a lot of interesting things. A lot of wisdom has come out. And uh, um, if we had all the time in the world, I would love to just sit with you and go through every little last thing because you've got so much interesting things to share in such a you know, perspective really, really clear way. So I'm hoping that maybe in the future, we can uh, jump on another conversation and see where it goes. But uh, Aaron, thank you so much for sharing so openly and uh, clearly with us about the challenges you faced, solutions you found. And and I hope that our audience can uh, can reach out and connect with you and, and um, you know, benefit from some of the other things you have to offer. Thanks for joining thank us you. today.
It's been an absolute pleasure, man. I just want to, again, acknowledge the work that you're doing, how important uh, it is at this time. And uh, I look forward to another conversation. Uh, so let's definitely do that when uh, when it's in alignment. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And, and to our listeners out there, thank you so much for, for all the support and uh, encouragement and the shares and all the engagement. We really appreciate you. So thanks for hanging out with Aaron and I today. And to anybody out there that uh, that is really, really struggling, just know that you are not alone, that we are uh, we are here and uh, and there is support. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. What a great note to wrap up on. So like that, until next time, much love and peace. Peace. peace.